Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Welcome into the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated uh, Panthers beat writer Skylar Callahan. And we are finally, I guess you could say a victory Tuesday. The Carolina Panthers get off the snide 19 to 13 uh, winners over division rival the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, we got a lot to get into about that matchup. We'll actually preview Panthers versus Patriots as well. Skylar will give us a little bit of an update from speaking to coaches and players and whatnot on the condition of quarterback Sam Darnold and more. Um, but first, before we get into that, a word from one of our sponsors at uh, Bet Online. Back and better than ever, all odds are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And we will start with Carolina getting a win finally, four and four on the season, uh, two and two on the road, 19 to 13 winners over the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, Skylar didn't. Didn't start off that way uh, from play number one. Walk me through how it felt in the press box watching Chuba cop that ball up on uh, <laughs> the very first play <laughs> game. <laughs> Honestly, it was uh, the moment it happened. Everyone in the Panthers beat, beat section just started laughing. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, here we go. Like, it, you feel like this might be the week they get things turned around and then right out, right out of the, the shoot, it's, it's like a flashback of Minnesota where they turned the ball oh. over. First play of the game, but in both instances against Minnesota and against Atlanta, the defense buckled down, held the team, uh, the opposing team to a field goal. So, I, I mean, I, I know a lot can be said about the the offensive struggles, but you really just have to to focus on the defense because, and, and Matt Rule said it, I think after the game Sunday, everyone just got to kind of come to terms that this is a defensive football team right now. Right. They're going to win and lose games because of their defense and. I know you, you're going to win and lose some games because of your offense as well, but right now that defense is playing at a playoff caliber level while the offense is still trying to you know figure th- some things out. So right now it's like everything's kind of riding on how the defense performs. Them holding Atlanta to a field goal in that opening possession was huge. I, I agree, and I agree with this assessment that uh, this is a defensive football team. We kind of said it uh, after week one, really, that I, me personally, I felt like – the Panthers defense alone could be responsible for six or seven wins for this team. They were just playing at a certain level. Now we've seen how they look without Shaq Thompson. I thought with Shaq coming back on Sunday, 
uh, that defense looked com- well, not completely different. It just looked like it had more focus than the past couple of weeks without him, um, which to me tells me that Shaq is the true leader of that defense. And he made his presence felt uh, in this game. Uh, he got a, a 10 total tackles, uh, one of them for a tackle for loss. He had an interception. Uh, Hassan Reddick was all over the place. He had a sack uh, in the game. Uh, they, Brian Burns got off of it and got a half a sack in this game as well. The defense was attacking more. It felt like uh, they were sending more people back there. And Atlanta, to be honest, other than uh, Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, they didn't really have a lot for Matt Ryan to really work with on a Sunday. Not that I'm complaining. That's fantastic for us. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they didn't really have a lot. Calvin Ridley was a late scratch. Um, and from my understanding, they're not sure when he might return uh, to their roster. So uh, it felt like Atlanta was gaining more yardage than they were. I know Matt Ryan was 20 for 27, but he only threw for 146 yards. It felt like he threw for like 246 yards and like watching the game. But I went back and watched the highlights late last night, and uh, I was just really impressed with the defense. They just kind of kept everything in front of them. Uh, the offense, our offense couldn't really score uh, touchdowns, which is something they need to work on. But I agree, the defense pretty much won this football game. 100%. And, and as you mentioned with Shaq Thompson, we, we talked about it during the losing streak about how important that he was because it, the defense just did not have the same swagger to him. They didn't have the same energy to him. And the moment he stepped back on the field in Atlanta on Sunday, it's like they just regained that, like just like that, like a snap of a thing, a snap of a finger. So having him back is certainly going to help. And then it's also nice to have Stephon Gilmore finally. I mean, this is yeah. a guy that, you know, Panthers fans have been waiting for ever since he was traded for from New England. So uh, to see him go in there, he, I think he only played in, you know, 30 some percent of the defensive snaps. So they're still trying to work him and get back up to full speed. but. For the plays that he did appear in on, I mean, he he played extremely well. He came down with an interception. He kind of followed Kyle Pitts around all game and kind of gave him a, a welcome to the NFL. And Pitts even said that in the game. He said, he he, he kind of humbled me. This is my welcome to the NFL against a former defensive player of the year. So mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see Gilmore out there. And, and now you're starting to see some of these reinforcements coming back defensively. It's only going to make this team better. You know, it's, I thought I saw a stat uh, Monday that uh, for the Kyle Pitts, Stephon Gilmore matchup, the Gilmore shouted him like six different routes throughout the game. And uh, Pitts and Gilmore both had one reception <laughs> on those yeah. routes. Uh, Gilmore with the interception and, and Pitts with the catch uh, on him. Pitts only had one catch. Uh, I think the – well, actually, no, let me go back here. He had two catches for 13 yards the entire game, which is incredible because uh, that kid is a talent. Um He's very, very good. But unfortunately, again, uh, I mean, didn't get a whole lot of help anyplace else. Uh, Mike Davis, a former Carolina Panther, he had nine carries for 44 yards. I'm trying to figure out what exactly Cordero Patterson is because they're using him as a running back, but he's kind of a wide receiver. He's 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 their special teams returner as well. So they just kind of have him as this Swiss Army knife kind of kind of the way Curtis Samuel was being used by us last year, it kind of feels like. Uh, he had nine rushes for 35 yards, but – they just couldn't really get any kind of rhythm going, and that's a testament to this Panther defense who, as I check on Tuesday, are second in the league uh, in total yards allowed, which is kind of nuts considering they just went through this losing streak. Yeah. And and, and they're – I mean, they're behind Buffalo. Buffalo's played one less game than them, and uh, they're, they're just right behind them. But this Panther defense, 
is no joke. They, I mean, I feel like if the Panthers have a shot to make the playoffs, and I think when I checked uh, last, they're in the seventh spot actually right now. Uh, the NFC is not exactly fantastic. It's kind of top heavy with those first five teams or so, uh, like the Rams who are are going for it all right now after <laughs> trading for Von Miller on Monday. They they are risking it all like right now. Apparently, they don't care about the draft. <laughs> at all yeah they have given us like what eight, 17 picks between yeah i mean but, i mean but look at their defense has somebody at each level of the defense that you kind of got a scheme for between aaron donald who's probably the best player in the league now you're adding von miller to the linebacking core you got jalen ramsey at cornerback who's probably the best cornerback in the league and you would think that the the rams would have a higher ranked uh defense than they actually do but they don't actually. Uh, I was trying to find them on the uh, total. Okay, just flipped over here, and they're actually further down. They're they're actually like in the the twenties in terms of total defensive stats. So they've got those names there, but they're allowing three hundred and sixty seven yards per game. Our Panthers are almost allowing a hundred yards less than that per game. So yeah. kind of give you some comparison of what the defense is doing for the Panthers right now, and they definitely deserve to get their flowers eight games in. Um, if you had been told Skyler at the beginning of the year that after, you know, nine weeks, the Panthers would be four and four, two and oh, in the NFC South and getting Christian McCaffrey back possibly. I mean, is that something that would interest you? <laughs> is that something no, that you'd I mean, be interested in or. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it, when you go back to last year, I mean, we knew what that roster was like and it was, it was going to be a, a down year. I mean, that, that's just what it was five and 11. And like we had pointed out several times before, I mean, that five wins for that team was actually kind of impressive. So I think when you look to from where you were a year ago to now at four and four, I mean, you're in that last spot in the playoffs. Uh, You still have a chance to get a couple of wins here before you go through that brutal stretch. So I think it's all going to come down to these next five weeks are going to be very, very critical for the Panthers because, again, that four-game stretch at the end of the year where they got the Bills, the Bucks twice, and the Saints – Oh, I mean, how how many of those are you going to be able to pull out? And, and and me and my buddy were talking about this last night. If the Panthers have to get to ten and seven to make the playoffs, is there still six wins out out there on the schedule? I don't know if mm-hmm. I see six because the Patriots. I mean, if you don't have Sam Darnold, I don't know if I trust PJ Walker enough to get you a win. I don't at all, actually. Yeah. I don't. I don't trust. I've seen people online talking. Well, we need to give him a chance, uh, another a chance to start, and blah blah blah. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, exactly. Why do we need to give him a chance? Like after what he looked like in New York, I mean, my gosh. Yeah. And and then the, the <laughs> near third interception across yeah. the body in the end zone, like yeah. almost just, cost the game when he came like, in Atlanta. It's like there's a reason he is a backup quarterback, <laughs> but. Then you go to next week. They got Arizona, who's playing really, really well. Yeah. You got Washington, Miami, Atlanta are those next three. You have to win those three games. And I know it's hard to sit there and say, well, those are three very winnable games and they should be able to win all three. But that's not how the NFL works. You know, these teams are all, someone's going to come up and, and probably, you know, get the Panthers at a bad time. And it might go the other way. Panthers might go to Arizona and win a game. I mean, it's, it's that's the NFL. You know, things just crazy things happen, and they're not always going to go how that you expect. So, for them to get the six wins, it's going to be very, very tough. And again, we talked about it like I think a couple of weeks ago, how that Philadelphia loss might come back to hurt them. 
Mm. And I think that's where it's going to come down to. I think they can maybe get five wins. Six wins is pushing it. They would love to get that Eagles game back. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm looking back now. When we were three and zero, I think I foolishly looked at the schedule and was like, you know, the next four games were we should be favored in all four, and we lost all four <laughs> of those yeah. games. You know, like so to your point, it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, you can't really take any team for granted. So while it looks daunting looking at the schedule to see if they can get to that uh, number of wins. Uh, to your point, they could very well go to Arizona and 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 win there. Or it just depends on what they're doing in terms of the Panthers. I, I've got yeah. to the point where I've seen enough of them to think if they are dead set on doing whatever it is they're trying to do game plan wise, they're going to be a competitive football team, and then it could go either way. I did love the fact that they uh, they decided they were going to run the football like for real. Like last week, they kind of faked this out. They said they were going to do it, did it on the first drive, and then they did it like five times or something crazy like the rest of the game they stuck with it uh in atlanta like to the point where uh it, it felt like it turned the game into this kind of rough grimy like in the dirt kind of game that didn't have a whole lot of rhythm on both sides it was more of a kind of keep away type game like which offense could keep the ball away from the other one like longer and uh carolina to their credit they rushed for 47 times 203 yards which uh, I think should be the most by far during the Matt Rule era uh, yeah. that they've rushed on the ground. Uh, Chuba Hubbard with 82 yards. I really liked Amir Abdullah. Um, I felt like he was pro- kind of providing a little bit of that Christian McCaffrey burst that Hubbard doesn't really. Hubbard's a good running back, but there's a certain level of like quickness or nimbleness or explosiveness, I guess is the best way to put it. And it felt like Abdullah's got a little of that, like where he can hit the hole. At, fast and go uh same way McCaffrey does but of course you know he's not Christian McCaffrey but Hubbard Abdullah and McCaffrey together those three I think could be a pretty formidable rushing attack if the Panthers truly want it because I think that we've proven over the past month that they can't win on Sam Darnold's arm alone like that's not going to do it no and what's really interesting is you look at that running back room when McCaffrey comes back whether it be this week or next or whatever They've got four legit options now. And, I th- I mean, I think Royce Freeman's a guy that Matt Rule really likes too. So, I mean, especially for his pass blocking ability, he, he's, he's kind of got that um, – I don't really know how to explain it, but when you watch Royce Freeman run, he doesn't get very many opportunities. But he makes a lot of NFL veteran type of runs. Like he he knows how to, to be patient, knows when to hit the hole, knows when to change direction. So there's a lot to like about Royce Freeman too. So it's going to be a very interesting decision – when McCaffrey comes back, do they keep all four backs on the roster? Well, you know you're keeping McCaffrey and Hubbard. So is it going to come down to Abdullah and Freeman, one of them being the odd man out, or are you going to keep both of them? I think they could keep both because Freeman is kind of like their pass protection guy. He is he is their their best pass protector in that running back room. And I, I, I think that they really feel good about Amir Abdullah, especially in the return game um, and, and what he's done here in the – his first couple of games in the running back room, Matt, Matt Rule said he provided them with a jolt offensively. And, and he said that not only Sunday, but Monday too. So he's he's really high on Amir Abdullah. So I think if they want to be able to continue to run the ball at will, you know, run it 35, 40 times a game, I, I don't see why you wouldn't keep four running backs on the roster. I mean – it helps their defense. Like if they're truly a defensive team, if Matt Rule is saying that, you know, he's saying the right things, we're going to be identified as a defensive team. We need to run the ball more, blah, blah, blah. 
those go hand in hand. Like you can't be a top defensive team and throw the ball 50 times a game. Look at Kansas City. You know, that's literally what's happening with them right now where they're still trying to – now last night they tried to run the ball more than they normally do, but it's still – they're still trying to flip over that switch from where they were before where they could just go out there and sling it 50 times and the defense was kind of an afterthought. Carolina doesn't have that luxury. Like, you've got the backs to do it, and this much maligned offensive line, to me it's more they have an issue with pass blocking. They don't seem to have that much of an issue with run blocking. Like, I'm watching them open up pretty huge holes for these running backs to get through, and I'm picturing Christian McCaffrey running through these holes and gaining an extra six or seven yards on them. Yeah. I, I think they were more built to be like road graders than they are pass protection. So it took the Panthers eight weeks to kind of figure this out. But at heart, I think they're kind of built to be a, a possession, move the chains, uh, you know, hold on to the football, run the ball type of team and and play defense and just grind you down and not allow you to score more than 15 points. I mean, they can win football games this way. People have been winning football games like this for 100 years. Like, I'm just surprised it took them this long to figure it out. Hey, it's it's better late than never, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's, and you know, the crazy thing too, at this point last week, I think all of us felt like the sky was falling. Like, yeah. you know, the season's slipping away. I don't want to go through another half season of this. Like I said it on this. It felt like a chore watching the Panthers play. It's funny what one week will do and a win where now everything's just, it's almost like they can start the season fresh, you know? Yeah. And when when you talked about those long drives, I mean, there was at least two that I know of. There may have been a third where Carolina held the ball for eight minutes. That's that's half of a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're essentially talking two of their drives were an entire quarter of football. That that gives your defense not only a ton of rest because they're playing so many, you know, less they're playing so many less snaps, but that's given the 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 opposition very few opportunities to do anything with the football. So when when you do make the most of those opportunities, when you have eight minute drives and you finish those with touchdowns, which they only did one time, but if they can start turning those eight minute drives into you know from field goals to touchdowns it's really going to be hard for anybody to, to really kind of be able to beat Carolina because that defense is so dang good. And when you have only 50, 60 plays to get it done, it, it's going to have, it's going to be a, a chore really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so th- these Panthers, I think at first we, people were saying with the defense, Oh, well, look who he played. Now we've got a, a larger sample size of eight games, a variety of different teams. And, the Panthers are number two overall in defense. They're number two uh, in passing defense. And they're a little bit further down in runs. Uh, Dallas really destroyed that as well as uh, – I'm trying to think who else it was. Uh, the Vikings. Yeah, the, my, yeah, the Vikings had over 100 yards on this one uh, that day too. They're only averaging 106 yards per game on the ground. But keep in mind, a lot of that got built up during the, the, you know, the four weeks that Shaq was out. And I think that's going to start turning back around, too, because at one point Carolina was only allowing like 60-something yards uh, per game on the ground. And it reminds me of that opening drive for the Falcons when they got that fumble where just bam, 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 the defense just kind of stepped up and they wouldn't let them run the ball, wouldn't let them get near the end zone, really. And uh, the Falcons had to resort for or had to resort to a field goal for it. So good win for the. Uh, well, any win's a good win, but a uh, good win for the the Panthers getting off the uh, the losing snowball there and uh, moving to four and four on the season and two and zero oh in the NFC South. 
were there any players that you were surprised about, good or bad, uh, during this game? Because I've got one, and it's starting to bubble every week when I look at the box score. I'm just like, what is going on? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. Is there Was there anything or anybody out there where you're kind of like uh, well, worried about them? <laughs> I, I would say uh, I, from, from a good standpoint, I think Hassan Reddick just continues to show how good he is, and he, he's going to – He's going to earn himself a big payday. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that contract looks like because I know I, I think he was one of the guys they threw in some voidable years, and that's kind of like this new NFL contract thing. So I'm not really sure how that works out, but he's going to be a guy that's going to get paid a lot of money. I think Carolina would love to keep him around. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at Sam Darnold, you know, 13 to 24 for 129 yards this week, and you go back to last week. And the stats are like they're not that different. 16 to 25 or 112 yards in a pit. But it felt like he played light years better. It did. It really it, it showed through the TV. He looked calmer. Yeah. He was climbing that ladder in the pocket more. He didn't seem jittery. And uh that was the thing that I was noticing the, during the losing streak. It felt like he was holding on to the ball forever, like just yeah, yeah, longer yeah. than Cam Newton, you know, like just holding it. And I'm screaming in my living room, throw the ball. There's a guy right there, <laughs> you know, like all the time. And he's never looking at that guy. Like he refuses to check down. And it felt like Sunday that uh, he settled down. I don't know if he saw some – I guess he saw some film of himself. I know him and Coach Rule had talked or whatnot. They said during the broadcast that – uh, Coach Rule had said that him and Sam's relationship wasn't exactly close until he had to bench him. And then they actually started having those conversations that you want a coach and a quarterback to have. But before that, it was really more of a, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's the wife doing? How's the family? Blah, blah, blah. But that was it was kind of surfaced. There was really no. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I mean, that's what they were saying during the broadcast that Rule had said. And then he said that uh, he sat down with Arnold and they went through tape of him in the Saints game and the Jets game. And just kind of went through the things that were working and the things that weren't. And and they said that Rule said that it was actually the first time they really sat down and really had that kind of conversation before where it was more than just QB coach. You know, we work in the same building type thing. I thought that was really interesting when I heard it uh, during the broadcast because some of that's part of Matt Rule's head coaching style. You know, maybe that's something he needs to work on as a head coach that maybe he wasn't used to doing that kind of stuff. And Maybe that's why Sam was so detached looking really uh, for the month. Did they give any updates on uh, on Sam's condition uh, on Monday? So Rule basically said that he was he was meeting with doctors on Monday. He's in the early stages of, of concussion protocol. So they'll, they'll obviously know more come when, uh, tomorrow. And I, I feel like Thursday is going to be the, the big kind of barometer, you know, for where he might be in terms of his status for this week because – Friday is basically a walkthrough day. It's very, very, very limited. They don't do a whole lot. Um, so Thursday is kind of like their big heavy-hitting day. So I, I would assume that if he's at least limited, that he'll have a shot to play Sunday. But if he's if he's a DNP on Thursday when the injury report comes out, I would almost assume that P.J. Walker is going to be your starting quarterback come Sunday. So – it's going to be interesting, and and as I was telling you before the show, I, I did an article about why the Panthers should bring on Cam Newton, but the, the, the Carolina's got to do something at quarterback if this injury for or this, this concussion kind of lingers for Darnold because the only other quarterback they have on the roster is James Morgan, who's down on the practice squad. 
So whether it be trading for somebody, which obviously has to be done today, or signing a veteran free agent or maybe stealing somebody off waivers, they've got to add another quarterback. And it doesn't have to be a flashy name like Cam Newton, but they mm-hmm. have to get somebody in here. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that name. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got to get somebody in uh, to, to at least compete because I, th- I think if they if Walker does start this week, I, I you know my, where I stand with PJ Walker. I, I don't have a lot of faith in him, but I feel like they could weather the storm for a week. It maybe you know even if they lose, okay, but. If it starts to get into two, three week territory, that's when it's going to get a little dangerous. I mean, Darnold got his bell rung like twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, his head basically bounced off the astroturf. Uh, you can when you watch the replay, he got hit like square up. I mean, it was a clean hit, but uh, the way he kind of got ricocheted back and then he got basically piled drive into the uh, the, the astroturf. His head kind of bounced off of it. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, they got to take him out. He's he's done for the day. Um, I agree with you. I am not a big fan of PJ Walker either. In fact, I'm under the impression that if he had not played for Matt Rule in college, he wouldn't be in the NFL right now. Uh, I don't know of any team that would have him on because he had opportunity before Rule was a head coach and couldn't find a job, was in the XFL last, and then got on with the Panthers when Rule came in last year. I I see, I, I know the most popular player on the team is always the backup quarterback, and I see Panther fans have been screaming for Walker for the past four weeks, which I understand because of Donald's play. But there is a drastic difference between Sam Darnold and PJ Walker in terms of talent level. Oh yeah, you know, like it's just it's it's clear as day. Like there's no reason to be like PJ Walker should be the starter going forward for the Carolina Panthers. Now I could see them doing more of this run package, relying heavily on it. Although without Sam, you kind of lose a little bit of the threat because Sam will throw it deep. Like teams know that Sam's got an arm. It's just a matter of you know what day is it? Is it a day where Sam is on, or is it a day where Sam's you know kind of throwing it to ghosts and spots and things on the field? But you had to respect it, and which is how Carolina was able to run the ball so much on Sunday. I don't know if teams are going to have to respect PJ Walker in the same fashion. So I'm no. kind of curious. This is kind of you know honestly, this is an opportunity for Joe Brady to kind of show whatever kind of wonder kid he's supposed to be uh, as an offensive coordinator because they really could kind of build something a one week package with PJ. And the run game, I don't know if he's – is he a runner? Can he run? Is he like a running quarterback? Do you yeah. your recollection? Can he do that kind of thing? Yeah, he's he's definitely mobile. Um, the, the the one thing I think with P.J. is sometimes he gets a little too quick in terms of, you know, winning to get – or knowing when to just go ahead and tug it and run. And I think sometimes he needs to stay in that – his progression is a little longer. Um but, you know, everyone goes back and says, well, P.J., he he won – you know, he beat the, the Lions last year. It's the freaking Detroit Lions. Yeah. <laughs> that team was so bad. Like, Desmond, I, I'm pretty sure me and you could have lined up maybe, you know, at least scored a couple of touchdowns on him. Like, I, I read across a, a conversation on Facebook about this where somebody was defending him. And they're like, well, he, he won in Detroit. Like, the defense didn't score any points that day. I'm like, yeah, but the defense also shut Detroit out. <laughs> like, they yeah. didn't score any points. I mean – PJ in it. I'm sorry. He's just not it. So, yeah. and, and the thing with the, the PJ is like Sam has the talent. I don't think anybody in the NFL or that watches the NFL has ever really questioned Sam's talent. The talent is there. It's just a matter of can he get the mechanics right consistently? Can he stay consistent? And can he play with confidence? Those are the things with him. PJ, I don't know if he has the talent. 
to even right. back up. Like to me, if if PJ Walker's on any other team in the NFL, he's maybe a practice squad guy. Yeah, or, I agree. Or, or third string quarterback. He is not a backup. And and he's shown that time and time again. There's no question about Sam Donald's talent. It's a matter of his consistency and his confidence. Now that goes back to well, what do you do then? Because there's one guy out there who yeah. uh <laughs> that, that kind of knows the city. The city knows him. We can't bring Cam Newton back. I love Cam Newton. I do. I love him to death. He's one of my favorite football players of all time. But if they really want to take a step forward, I just don't see how that would work to bring Cam back in into this environment. There's still players on this team that played with Cam. Yeah. You know, they've they've done a good job clearing a lot of it out. But uh, just on off DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. You know, like these guys played with Cam. They they went through the beginning of their their careers with Cam being the leader, you know, and to have him taken out to bring him back in. And then in a week or two, Darnold's in the same QB room. So Cam's looking at Darnold like, you know, you're sitting in my seat. And Darnold's like, what is he doing here? He don't even go to the school. You know, like it's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, it can't work. It can't work. Now, I have seen uh, Cam maybe to the Saints with Jameis Winston uh, tearing his ACL, which was uh, a bad injury on Sunday. I, I don't know, man. It's week eight. I don't know if Cam's going to latch on anywhere, to be honest, at this point. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's going to either. And kind of as I stated in that one art- or the article I put out, for Carolina, and if they were to ever, ever bring back Cam Newton, and, and I, I've said this a million times, it's not going to happen. But if they were, Cam Newton would have to commit to being a backup quarterback. Yeah. He would have to commit to being okay in playing and in, in being utilized in certain packages where they run the football, do some stuff at the goal line, short yard, and stuff like that. Cam Newton is a good enough quarterback to still maybe lead a team, you know, whether it be Seattle while Russell's out, mm-hmm. New Orleans without, you know, Jameis Winston, or maybe just a young team that needs a, a starting quarterback, like maybe the Jets. Like, just, yeah. I, mean, I don't think he would want to go there, but I don't think that bringing him back is good because you're you're going to have Darnold looking over his shoulder. There's going to be pressure on the coaching staff from the fan base to put Newton in there. He's 32 years old. This is the youngest team in the NFL. You're trying to build long-term. Cam Newton is not going to be your long-term answer. As good as he used to be, you have to put it in the past. Like, you have to figure out – Scott Fitter used three draft picks to get Sam Darnold. Right. He doesn't want to just say, uh, eight games in, I made a mistake, let's move on. He wants him to get through this concussion protocol, play out the rest of the season, and have a full season sample size as to what they got in Sam Darn. Because who knows? You know, right now, I, his job security is probably up in the air. But if he plays well down the stretch, gets this team into the playoffs, maybe even win a game, no one's going to be talking about Sam Darnold next year. Yeah, that's true. he's going to be the starting quarterback. So yeah. you have to let this thing play out and get to the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, and we kind of owe it to ourselves. We kind of need to see what we got uh, with Darnold because it's not exactly like uh, it's a deep draft for quarterbacks next year sure. or anything, you know. So, I mean, it, we're still – I mean, we've kind of connected to Sam unless something different happens with Deshaun Watson over the next six to eight months. That's really the only outlet I see to get a different quarterback in here. And I think Carolina would jump on that if he's cleared, but uh, that's just not an option right now. Before we get into the Patriots and this upcoming game Sunday, um, where is Robbie Anderson? Like, where where is Robbie yeah. Anderson disappeared to? Zero receptions. Uh, he was only targeted once 
And when he was targeted, that was when he got just destroyed uh, on, on that hit where he couldn't hold on to the ball. But that was late in the game. Like, I don't understand what's happened where Darnold just isn't – I guess he's not looking for him. I don't know. I don't know. what DJ Moore had eight targets, four catches, 59 yards, uh, relatively pedestrian day. But, again, I mean, Darnold only threw for 129 yards in the game total. So – it's just one of those things, but it feels like Robbie Anderson, sometimes it feels like he's not even on the field. And I don't know what's happened. I know he got an extension. He got that bag in the offseason. But I think a lot of people forget Sam Darnold wasn't throwing the football to, exactly. to Robbie Anderson last year. It was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. And I think Teddy Bridgewater used him and DJ Moore since he didn't really have a tight end. They, those were his two outlets to get the ball out to go do stuff. And Darnold just doesn't – he doesn't really run this offense the same way. He doesn't. And and everyone talks about, oh, well, they had the connection in New York. But you got to think, that's all Donald had in New York was Robbie Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is, he had that in a, in a, you know, a couple of bags of chips. Like that, that's all the, he had in New York, where here, DJ Moore is the clear number one guy. Like right. that, that is his guy. And when you have a guy like DJ Moore that can just do so many things, he's so reliable, you're going to want to tend to go his way. And when Robbie Anderson, you know, I, I think maybe last year was kind of, was it maybe a fool's gold with Robbie Anderson and thinking that, well, Teddy Bridgewater just really, you know, kind of dumped the ball off to him. You know, we didn't go downfield much and <laughs> it, it kind of boosted his, or padded his stats a little bit. And now we're back into this year where things are completely different, new quarterback. And it's almost like Robbie Anderson, you know, last year we were fooled that maybe thinking he was, I mean, heck, maybe a number one receiver, but I, I mean, he's he kind of has the look of a number three receiver right now. Like, they and that's the problem with Carolina is they don't have a number two guy. Terrace Marshall is extremely young, and so is Shy Young or Shy uh, Smith. Those two guys are not quite ready yet, and and that's a big problem because Robbie Anderson has not been producing, and it makes me wonder what Carolina will do this offseason. I know they gave him the extension. Do they try and trade Robbie Anderson and maybe get uh, somebody in free agency that can come in and be that number two guy? They're going to have money to to kind of play with, so it's going to be you know there's going to be a ton of options on the table for them. I I mean, if this keep continues on, I don't know if they would stick with Robbie. There's no reason to really, especially uh, if you've got a promising wide receiver like uh, Terrence Marshall kind of behind him. Now I know Marshall didn't play on Sunday; uh, he's still in concussion protocol, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but maybe they get him back this week. But it's just alarming to me that it, not just the, re the zero receptions, but that uh, just one target, you know, he was only targeted once, which tells me that Darnold isn't even really looking for him in the passing game. Ex you know, and it's funny too, because after, I think it was the, was it the Houston game that they won? And then, uh, no, it might've been Minnesota where uh, Robbie was real adamant on the sideline towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and we were all kind of like, well, what was that about? I can kind of infer that he's upset he's not getting the football. <laughs> you know, like no one's throwing him the ball. But And then right after that, I remember the very next game, it felt like Darnold was forcing the football to Robbie Anderson, and he was dropping footballs. Uh, the Panthers lead the league and drop passes, like by fall, like 30-something after uh, the game on Sunday. So I've come around on – not all of this is on Sam Darnold. I mean, his receivers have to catch the football too. And when you realize that his receiving core leads the league and drop passes, that's going to affect Sam Darnold's stats. That's going to affect his mental makeup in the game. That's going to affect his ability to survey the field, his decision-making, like all of it. 
So you know he's got to be thinking in his head as he's going through. He'll say he's not, but he's human. He's going through his progressions thinking, do I want to get that ball to Robbie? Do I want to get that ball to DJ? I'm going to take my chance with DJ. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if they're both open or somewhat open, he's probably going to try to throw it to DJ before Robbie. And that sucks for Robbie, but he may not. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have a problem trading Robbie. I mean, at this point, it feels like he's not on the team. <laughs> it feels like he's not even out there. So I wouldn't have an issue with him uh, not being there next year if we can get something for it. We got some picks we need to go pick back up after uh, picking up this stuff here. We're, we're on the tread on today. Do you expect anything from the Panthers uh, front office in terms of any kind of trades or anything? Uh, you know, obviously they've been calling about offensive linemen, but you know, it doesn't seem like very many teams are very interested in trading their O linemen. Cause I mean, every let's face it, every team wants O linemen. I mean, that's that's yeah. a, a very uh premium in this league, and even the backups they don't want to trade. I mean, Scott Fitter told told us a couple of weeks ago, he's like, Look, I've been on the phones, nobody wants to trade offensive linemen, they're all looking for offensive linemen, and they're not even interested in moving their backups. So uh, I, I don't think, you know, people will say if they do make a move, that'll be like, well, do they block? <laughs> well, it, it's not that <laughs> Fitter didn't try. Like he's, he understands the the kind of the, the market right now. It, it's just not very uh, O-line friendly, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see them making any big kind of splash per se, but um, I, I did see a, a, a report from Joe Person um, that the team is, listening to uh, trade offers on Marquise Haynes. So um, that's kind of interesting. He hasn't really played a whole lot, but hasn't really needed to. So I feel yeah. like if they can get a late-round pick for him, I think they'd be satisfied. The uh, Panthers taking on the New England Patriots Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff. That's on CBS this week. Um, the Patriots are 4-4, four and four, but 3-0 and oh away from uh, Gillette Stadium, uh, coming into Bank of America Stadium. So uh, – Mac Jones kind of settling in. Uh, he's thrown for just a shade under 2,000 yards through halfway through the season. He's on pace to get to about 4,000. Nine touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. Uh, we don't know uh, the status at, at the time of this recording of Sam Darnold. Uh, he's listed as questionable right now in the injury report. And Christian McCaffrey, who's on injured reserve. But, uh, again, I think we were saying by midweek Thursday, we'll have a better idea for both of them uh, if they're going to get a chance to play or not. Uh, any word on uh, C.J. Henderson or Terrence Marshall Jr.? Both of them are listed as questionable also uh, as of today. I haven't seen a whole lot of Henderson since we traded for him. Uh, and Marshall got knocked out of a game with a concussion. Was that two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there'll probably be a chance for both of them to play. Uh, it's kind of – it's very hard to tell early in the week because we don't know how much they're practicing. So – uh, you know, when tomorrow we'll get a good indicator third and, you know, as the week goes on, we'll have a better idea for it. So I'd say right now it's probably a 50, 50 chance for both. These teams kind of look, uh, similar to each other. I'm just kind of looking at their team stats. The Patriots are averaging 25.8 points per game. Panthers are averaging 20.6 Panther, uh, Patriots are allowing about 20 points per game. Same as the Panthers, uh, Patriots about 369 yards are allowing, uh, or that they're getting uh, per game on offense. The Panthers are right there at 345. Everything kind of – I mean, it almost looks like you're looking at the same team. Uh, the thing is, the Patriots are starting a rookie quarterback, and the last time we saw – a well, we've seen a rookie quarterback twice this year uh, in Houston and in uh, New York with the Jets, and we were victorious in both of them. And I thought the defense did a really good job of kind of harassing whoever that rookie quarterback was. 
think you could do that here. Although I would imagine the Patriots will put Mac Jones in a situation where he won't be forced to go out and win it on this defense. I think Belichick respects good defense when he sees it. Uh, I, I just don't know what they're going to attack from coming from his end on the defense, who, who the Patriots would go after uh, to take out of the game for the, uh, the Panthers. Uh, I assume it'd be McCaffrey if McCaffrey's playing, but if he's not, I'm not really sure what they do to, to slow down the Panthers offense. Cause the Panthers offense might be slow already. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the good thing is I think, I, I mean, it's never a good thing to have injuries, but I guess with so many question marks, that this is kind of maybe a good thing for Carolina because New England has no idea what the hell to game plan for. Like, they, they don't know if it's going to be Darnold or P.J. Is it going to be Christian or not? Like, is Terrace Marshall going to be in the game? Is Robbie going to be in the game? Because, I mean, Robbie took a lick. Like, I mean, we, we don't know what to expect from this Panthers offense. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is probably one of the, the games where even you and I just are like, we have no idea what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think for, for, for Carolina, if P.J. Walker does play, it's got to be very, very, very simple deep in, in not a uh, complicated game plan. It's just got to be run the football, convert third downs, get in third and manageable, stay on the field. And I think your defense is probably going to have to come up with a couple of turnovers just to give him a couple of extra chances with the football to make something happen. So not sure, you know, what Carolina's going to be able to muster up offensively. I do think, though, that Phil Snow will have his guys ready to go, and I think they're going to give Mac Jones a little trouble. Yeah, I, I feel like they'll uh, they'll really try to harass him. We'll see a lot of stunts and twists and things of that sort, things to try to confuse him. Although Mac Jones, they say he's one of the more smarter quarterbacks that came out of this draft, and uh, he's played pretty well. Uh, I mean, considering uh, the situation he stepped into in New England, I think he's done fairly well for himself. He's kind of flown under the radar in terms of the other rookie quarterbacks that are playing this year. You don't hear a whole lot about them. And the Patriots are just kind of trucking along at 500, uh, just kind of out of the way from everybody. And uh, I, I personally detest the the Patriots. I've hated them for years, and I really hope that, <laughs> that the Panthers can actually win. Ever since that Super Bowl, like I've just never been a Patriots fan, uh, or Tom Brady or Belichick, any of those guys. I hate them all. And so I'm hoping that is, unless you <laughs> right, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that the uh, the Panthers can pull out a win here because this is a, like you said earlier on in the podcast. They're now they're at a part of the season where you got to kind of look at the schedule and, and see which one of these games can we seriously, uh, you know, win and get into the playoffs with. Because I do think it would be a huge step for this team and a huge mark for, for uh, Matt Rule's resume to get the Panthers in the playoffs his second year, even if they're a quick first round exit, wild card, wild card weekend. It would still be a feather in his cap to be like, hey, we got this team to the playoffs and we're still building it. You know, we're, we still have, we got money. We're the youngest team in the league. Uh, we're still building this thing up, and it, there's no place to go but up from here. This would be one of those type of games where you kind of got to do it. Uh, the people people notice when you beat teams like New England, regardless of what they're doing. So uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, what they do here. Any uh, final words as the Panthers get ready to take on New England on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, just like you said, it's an opportunity for, for them to go out there and beat New England and uh, – it's, it would catch some people's eyes to be able to beat Bill Belichick. And, you know, even if even if they don't get to the playoffs, I think if you can be at least on the cusp and just, you know, show that you're you're in the mix, be nine and eight, eight and nine, ten and seven, whatever. Even if you show that, I think it would gain some some trust and some respect from the fan base uh, towards Matt Rule, showing that this thing is heading in the right direction. Again, 
that blueprint that he has shows that year two is the year they become competitive. Year three is when they start winning. So uh, if all goes to according to plan, that, that, that could be the situation here in Carolina. There you have it. So uh, from Panthers beat writer Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, I'm Desmond Johnson from Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, for Skylar. It's Callahan underscore. Uh, for myself, it's uh, Des, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Panthers taking on the Patriots 1 p.m. Sunday on CBS. We'll be back with a brand new episode of Believe in Carolina Panthers next week. Until then, keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.